Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let's pray and ask God to meet with us. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be in your house. Well, we do earnestly ask today on the behalf of our pastor, God, our man of God, that you would in a very real way rest him today. God, touch his physical need. God, you are the great physician and we are thankful for the doctors and their guidance. But Lord, ultimately we need the great physician to be involved today. And God, I pray that you would renew him and rest him and refresh him spiritually. God, I ask that you would meet with us today and God, that your will would be accomplished. God, we have to have you. God, it's a privilege to stand and preach, but God, I must be honest with you and say that under these circumstances, I'd much rather have our pastor here. And I'm asking that you would renew him today. God, bless this thy people. God, may we hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The greatest thing in our life that we will ever do, as we introduce the message for today, And it's titled very simply one word, and I'll give that to you in just a moment. But the greatest thing that anybody in the world will ever do, the greatest action they'll partake of is to be saved. I think we would all agree with that, that the greatest need of our day is salvation. And as we've heard it said many times from the pulpit of Solid Rock Baptist Church, especially to the next generation, The greatest thing, the second greatest thing we will do next to our salvation is to marry well. And anybody that has walked that path will thank God for a good marriage and will ask God to help them through a challenging marriage because we understand uh, the seriousness of a proper God-honoring marriage relationship. We've been teaching our bus kids in the last weeks on this subject and I've expressed to them those same things I've just shared with you. The greatest thing we will do is to be saved. The second greatest thing we do would be to marry well. But I want to say the greatest thing we will understand is salvation. I still find that even in our action and in our knowledge, the greatest thing is going to be our salvation. But the second greatest thing we will understand, the second greatest subject that we can help the next generation, and even our current generation, and even the generation ahead of us, First of all, is salvation. We need the gospel in all of the world. That is the greatest. But the second greatest thing that we will pass on and have a proper understanding of is a, very simply this thing of authority. 
I still believe wholeheartedly the greatest thing I'll ever do is to be saved. The greatest thing anybody will do is to be to marry well. But the greatest understanding someone will have will be the understanding of salvation. But we have a major deficit in our society today of this thing of authority. We have a major misunderstanding of what proper biblical authority is. And our world is suffering because of it. Tragically, in many church houses, the, th- the biblical authority is not displayed much better than the world. And it's so important that we come back to the Scriptures and we look to God and say, God, what is biblical, God-given, honored authority? Because <clears throat> in our society, you see on the news and in the, 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 the rambles and the ruckuses that's going on in our society, we have a deficit of proper authority. I work in a uh, at a at a company, and I can't tell you the turnover we see. And I would say a vast majority of the great turnover is due to a lack of understanding of a good, proper authority, and the structure therefore set by God. So, every introduction, I want to tell us that we're all born rebels. We're all born rebels. A rebel is someone who opposes authority. Someone who opposes authority. When I say the word rebel, you have somebody that you know struggles and opposes authority. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you see them in the store. Maybe you live near them. Maybe you attend church with them. But we all know somebody that we would classify as a rebel. Somebody that opposes authority. Can I say we're naturally going to want to do our own thing. We naturally want to dress our way, talk our way, go our places. It's natural. The Bible says in the book of Job that man is born of a woman a few days and full of trouble. Our trouble is from our natural tendencies. We're all born rebels. We all know how to push back at times. And I'd say we're all guilty of pushing back at times. Even the very ones that we, we, we strive and our desire is to honor biblical authority. I will tell you, we've all had the tendencies at times to disagree and want to push back. Because we're all born rebels. We're not miraculously perfected at salvation. We still live in a fleshly body. And that rebel tendency will still rise to the surface of time. Not only are we born rebels, I want to say we live in a rebellious society. We live in a world that encourages us to rebel. We are encouraged to do our own thing. Oh, just do it. Do it your way. Have it your way. And we're encouraged to go against the grain, if you will. If you ever worked with a piece of wood, and I think Brother Ronnie's probably worked a time or two with a piece of wood. But when you sand or you finish or you paint or you work on it, you always go with the grain. If you go contrary to the grain, you'll mess up the piece of furniture. And a rebel, if you will, in fact, would help you to understand a rebel is the one that's going against the grain. The grain goes this way and they do everything they can to go this way because they want to do their own thing. Can I tell you, you'll never change the grain. You'll never change the grain by changing yourself. You'll harm yourself when we choose to adapt and to cave and to bend to a rebellious society. A rebellious society, what does that look like? The society we live in. If you want to see a rebellious society, you scroll your social media long enough, you'll see it. 
You want to see rebellious society? You go out in the public enough, you'll see it. You, you will see with the rebellious society all around us, and it is that that defaces authority and downplays the role of authority in our lives. That's a rebellious society. One that tells a wife, don't listen to your husband. One that tells a church member, don't listen to the pastor. Do your own thing. God will tell you what to do. And yes, God will, but God has ordained authority to give direction in the homes and in the church houses of America. And we have totally downplayed the value of biblical God-given authority today. So what do we as Christians do in a rebellious society? May I say, first of all, we reject the world's philosophies. Reject the world's philosophy. That's going to mean turning off some of the TV shows. Even some of the so-called safe cartoons for our children. Some of them need to be cut off and done away with because they are encouraging a streak of rebellion in an already rebellious child. And so we must reject the world's philosophies. But may I say we must embrace the Bible's principles. If we're ever going to have hope in the society that we live in, if we're ever going to find the hope that we must have, we must embrace this book. The word embrace has the idea to hug. In our good old-fashioned word, just a good old hug. And we as God's people should embrace the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God. It's one thing to say, Boy, I'm King James only! I love my Bible! but to not know the principles that are laid therewith and to live a life contrary to biblical authority. So is there hope? It sounds hopeless, doesn't it? As you go around and you see our world and the shamble that it's in, is there hope? I want to tell you, yes, there's hope. And that hope is found in the key to everything God has to offer. And that key is obedience. It's obedience to God, obedience to God's Word, and obedience to God's ordained authority. Some of these struggles, some of the issues we have in our life are self-inflicted. They're self-inflicted when we refuse to obey God's command in our life. When we refuse to obey the book that He has written. When we refuse to obey the authorities that God has placed in our life. Those things are self-inflicted issues and we live a life literally miserable because we refuse to come under the authority that God has given us. The title of the message, if you have not caught on yet, is authority. Authority. We read there in Romans chapter 13. I want to begin now. I've got several points. They're not alliterated, but I think when we get done today, we'll all be helped by the Word of God. And may I say, I'm as in need of this as much as anybody else. But we have a major deficit. Number one, I'd like to tell you that everybody answers to somebody. Everybody answers to somebody. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Everybody answers to somebody. Everybody. I think sometimes the next generation feels like there's a way to get out of it. And sometimes I'm not so sure I don't work with some adults that think you can get out of it. But I want to remind you that everybody will answer to somebody. Can I tell you that even the highest office that you could imagine, can I tell you the President of the United States, if you consider that the highest office, He answers to somebody. The people. May I say that what I view as the highest office in the United States of America is that of pastor. Can I tell you a pastor answers to God. 
There's no way that you escape a level, you don't ever achieve some level of authority and where you miss and you get somehow miraculously unaccountable to some level of authority. We all will answer to somebody. May I say as a church member, you're accountable to a pastor. That's biblical authority. And you are accountable to the man of God and to the pastor. May I say that as an employee, you're accountable to your boss. Whether you like them or not is not the issue. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers if you like them. That wasn't in there. May I say every child to a parent. And it is, the, it is time in our homes we get the order right. A man to God. May I say don't avoid authority. Embrace authority. You might as well embrace it because everybody answers to somebody. You don't have to work very long to realize that principle and to realize how much better it works if you'll embrace the authority instead of going against the authority. You'd have one miserable work environment, one miserable environment anywhere when you refuse to embrace authority. First of all, everybody answers to somebody. Second of all, authority is established and sustained by God. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. In a nutshell, God has allowed the authorities that are in your life to be there. God has allowed the authorities in your life to be where they're at. And the day that we realize that God has established that, and that it will be sustained by God Himself is the day that we can come under biblical authority. Folks, I realize what we're talking about is not an easy subject. And that in our flesh we will all struggle with this. But if we run back to the principle of saying God has ordained and God has sustained that authority. May I say one of the ways you will do that and that you will begin to come under biblical authority, may I tell you to stop looking for perfection from your authority and trust a perfect God. Our problem today is we're looking to human men and human ladies, whether in a, in a level of employee-employee relationship, or even in the level of church member and pastor, or, or to whomever. But we're looking for perfection from them because they hold a, a level of responsibility in a role. And I want to tell you, they are still an imperfect being trying to do the best that they possibly can. And we, as subjects of authority, we should stop looking for perfection from those that were under their authority. Because it will never happen. But we can trust a perfect God. I can't tell you that I always understand why God changes authority and moves things and shifts things around. I don't get it all the time, but I know that I can trust a perfect God. And the moment that I find myself looking to some human to find perfection, I find myself greatly disappointed. Just like I'm sure many have been there as well. Number one, everybody answers to somebody. Number two, authority is established and sustained by God. I'd like to say number three, How we respond to authority is a reflection of how we respond to God. How we respond to authority is a reflection of how we respond to God. Verse number 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, 
And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. When we rebel against authority, we're rebelling against God. Now that's in any area of our life. That's in the home. When our children choose to rebel, can I say, your precious little angel, can I tell you who they're rebelling against? God. And they need to understand that. Our children need to know when they're three and they're four and they're five and they rebel against the instruction set forth by the parents in the home. It's not a personal matter strictly between the parent and the child, but it is a matter between the child and God Almighty. And they need to understand if they continue in that rebellion, they'll live a life rebelling against God. And parents, we need to be okay to call it out. Can I say when the wife rebels against the husband, you're rebelling against God. May I say, dear husband, when we rebel against God's direction for our home, we are rebelling against God. And we are leading our families down a dangerous path. And the way that I respond to the authorities that are set forth before me, the way I respond to the man of God when he addresses issues in my life, the way I respond to the men that are over me, and the way I respond to those men is the way that I respond to God. And it's time for us to get real honest. So oh, I'm okay with God, but I'm wrong with the pastor. You're wrong. You cannot be wrong with authority and be right with God. I remember in grade school, all the time, there would be a substitute teacher come in. And I can remember the teacher before we would, before we would, before she would be gone the next day. She'd say, you know, Miss Brown's going to be in here teaching tomorrow. And this is often what would be said. You be sure to treat her with more respect than you would treat me. Anybody that's been in school, you've heard that, am I right? Or if your, your mom has ever dropped you off for a sleepover and she said, you better be on your best behavior and you better respect their mama like you respect me. Some of those, those nature. Much the same. God, not physically present, has ordained the authority in our life. And I believe God says, I want you to respect them as if I was standing there. I want you to obey your parents as if that was me standing there. I want you to honor your husband as if that was me standing in front of you. I want you to honor me as if I was standing there. I believe that's what God is saying. I want you to honor that pastor when he stands to preach and he tries to give direction for your home and your family. I want you to honor him as if it was me myself standing here and proclaiming the Word of God myself. I believe God thrives and strives. He wants us to respond right to authority because the way we respond to authority is how we respond to Him. God's given us authorities all around us, police, the laws. May I I challenge you, may we take the mirror of the Word of God and address in our own heart how are we responding to the authorities that God's placed in our lives, ordained of God. How are we handling that? Because how we're handling that is how we're handling the authority this way. You cannot be wrong with authority and be right with God. You can try. You can put on the facade. But if you are not right with authority, you are not right with God. Responding right shows maturity. 
Responding right shows maturity. Spiritual maturity. And I think God's people live well below the line of maturity that God expects from us. Responding right shows maturity. May I say you cannot select the authorities you want to obey. It is God-given, God-ordained. Number four, may I say rejecting authority makes us vulnerable and weak. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Authority is there to protect us. Authority is there to protect us. But the sad thing is, very few few of us believe that. Very few of us believe that authority is there to protect us. May I say boundaries are not there to make us not enjoy life or to keep something from us. Boundaries are there to help us enjoy life and keep something harmful from us. It is not about always holding us back. Sometimes it is keeping something from the outside from getting on the inside that could destroy us. It is what lays outside of the boundaries that are unfair, that is unfair and that is dangerous. It is not the fact that we're in the boundaries that is unfair. You go back to the Garden of Eden. Within the garden, God had given him instructions you may freely eat of any tree except one. The will of God was not restrictive. Outside of the garden, after they had disobeyed, they couldn't have any of the trees. We've allowed the devil to feed us a bunch of lies about authority. So they're trying to keep something from me. They may be trying to keep something from harming you. If you've ever watched shark diving, if any of you have ever seen somebody dive down with sharks, they're usually in a, in a cage. If they got any sense, they are, okay? And uh, they're in the cage. And, and the idea being... They want to see, they're, they're in the water. They want to videograph the shark or whatever. But they don't want to be harmed. Now they decided one day to get brave and say, I'm going to remove a bar out of the way because I want a better view. Then the next time they dove, they said, you know, I think I'll take one more bar out so I can just get a little, little bit closer. I want a mere, more pure view and I, I don't... You know, the shark's been swimming around. This same one we tagged it two weeks ago. It's getting to know me. We move another bar, and before long, the cage is gone. And we've gotten very comfortable. We will be devoured. Do not swim with the shark without some level of protection and not be devoured. Walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes I think we forget the seriousness of the Satan that is out to destroy our homes and our families and our loved ones and our children. We're forgetting how serious a battle that is that's raging. There's active rebellion. May I say that's obvious, blatant disregard and going against the principles in God's Word and disrespects authority openly. That is the vocal one. That is the one that they don't care what you think. Oh, I'll just do whatever. I don't care what they say. Ding, ding, ding. Red flag. They have an authority issue. That's the, the act of rebellion. There's passive rebellion. That's the ones that are guilty. When we go home, inside the four walls of our home, we begin to question authority. Talk about the pastor while he's not around. 
talk about the boss while they're not there. It is that passive rebellion. Plays the part or fakes it in front. Oh, Pastor, that was a great message. I so appreciate that. I needed that. Boy, it touched my heart today. I really needed that. And on the way home, I just can't believe he went there. I can't believe he would preach that. Somebody must have told him something. That is the passive rebellion. By rebelling, may I say, we make ourselves weak and less safe. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. When we rebel against authority, while it may feel like freedom, it may feel like great liberty, I want to say when we rebel against authority, we make ourselves less safe. We make ourselves more in danger. Number five, a poor relationship with authority distorts reality. Look there in Romans chapter 13. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. A poor relationship with authority distorts reality. May I say, you don't have to have a very old child before they start comments like, you know, mommy just doesn't love me because they got in trouble. May I say a poor relationship with authority distorts reality. Let me tell you how it distorts reality. We begin thinking that they're out to get us. When we know deep in the depths of our heart, and we know based on the principles in the Word of God, that there's a barrier, a protection for us. But yet, when we have a poor relationship, when we don't call on our pastor, when we don't communicate with those above us, we begin to feed on the devil's lies that... They're just out to get me. They don't want me to enjoy this. They don't want me to have this. They just don't understand. May I say, becoming comfortable with sin makes you uncomfortable with authority. Becoming comfortable with sin makes you uncomfortable with authority. You're uncomfortable with God today because there's sin in your life. You're uncomfortable with the house of God today because there's sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. Not ignored, not swept under the rug, but dealt with. And we struggle with the man of God or whomever in a role of authority because we're not right with God. There's sin in our lives. And we've gotten comfortable with the sin and now we're uncomfortable with the authority. When just the same, the opposite is just as true. When we are uncomfortable with sin, we'll be comfortable with authority. When you have nothing to hide, you have no reason to have discomfort. When you have done nothing wrong, you have nothing to hide. If you've ever been pulled over for speeding, you understand the discomfort that floods your soul. And the car is filled with this awful feel of anxiety. Now, most of the time that is because you have something you hope you can hide. You hope they walk up and they're gracious. And you can look at them and say, I was trying to get here as fast as I could. And you can get away with it. But you know that feeling. Boy, but if somebody pulled over and you're running 34 and a 35, and you got pulled over, you sit there and say, what's going on? What did I do wrong? Maybe you know, maybe I got a tail light out, an accident, a mistake. Not I was breaking the law. Our comfort with sin 
makes us uncomfortable with authority. May I say, if you have a strained relationship with authority, deal with it. Find the issues. Fix it. Perhaps it's just as simple as a sin. Simple in the fact that God can help you. The warning there, if you don't fix it, your relationship is going to be more strained with that authority. But ultimately, your relationship with God will be more strained. If you've ever lived here, where you've had a struggle with authority, a disagreement, you know what I'm talking about. You feel like There's no way you can be right with anybody else because you can't even get yourself right. And it is a miserable state to live in. Perhaps it's our sin that we've gotten so complacent and so comfortable with. May I say number six, a healthy relationship with authority creates opportunities and brings joy. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power... Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. I want to remind us all today that our biblical authorities carry a heavy, heavy biblical responsibility to God Almighty. They carry a responsibility that you and I would not want to carry. You may get sideways when the pastor expresses concern for your family. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It is your authority in your life that carry a biblical responsibility to teach you God's Word and to watch for your soul. I asked our kids in junior church as we went through this series, I, I've asked them, how many of you want to be in charge? And you know, if you ask any kid who wants to be in charge, sign me up. You know, they think it's all the candy you want and all. You know, they don't see the... You, know, you want to drive? Sure. Then they realize there's gas involved and insurance and all the other necessities. But being in charge does not remove us from under authority. Because everyone answers to somebody. It gets you more accountability and responsibility. May I, may I challenge us? The next time we're about to get sideways. The next time you're tempted to pull your family out of the house of God. May I challenge you to stop and think about the biblical responsibility that these authorities carry in our life before you destroy your life further? The king hired two servants, had a deep well. He gave them each a, put a basket there outside the well. And their task was a simple task. Their task was to, they each had their own bucket, and they were to draw water out of the well. And they were going to pour water into this basket. Now, I don't think it will take a rocket scientist to gather what water does when it goes in a basket, a woven basket. It doesn't stick around very long. 
The one servant was hired and agreed to do the task. The second um, servant was hired and agreed to do that task. The king put him to work. The one servant, the first one, he was fine. I'm getting paid for this. This is my job. They want the water in the basket. It makes no sense to me. Can I tell you the ones that obey authority, if you ask them, many times they're like, I don't know either, but that's what I'm getting paid to do. He said, I'm I'm drawing a pay. I'm going to do what the king has asked me to do. Comes the water. The second one says, man, this is stupid. This is ignorant. Why in the world is he paying us to draw water out of the well to put it in a woven basket to watch the water run out from under the basket and down the ground? What in the world? And they go a little while longer. The first one says, well, you know, we're getting paid. Who cares? Finally, the second one said, well, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. This is uh, ignorant and I'm going on with my life to do something else. But the first servant stayed faithful. At the bottom of the well, the king had dropped a diamond ring. And that first servant was able to lay claim to the ring. His faithfulness, his steadiness, even in the moment of lack of understanding, gained him a blessing. And can I say, a healthy relationship with authority will do the same for us. It will create opportunities. It will bring joy. It will open up doors. It will open up windows from heaven. It will open up God's blessings on our life because the way we respond to authority is ultimately the way we respond to God. Opportunities and joy. And then lastly, and probably most important, I say that many of you say, well, why didn't you just go to that first? The greatest motivation for obedience should be your love for God. The greatest motivation for obedience should be your love for God. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. May I say, if your motivation to obey and to come into authority is so that you can get recognized, get the pat on the back, get the round of applause, and all of those things, you will eventually rebel again. Because there will come a time, you will be asked to do something you disagree with, you'll be asked to do something like scoop water out of the well to the woven basket that makes zero sense to you, or there will be time that a new authority will fill that role in that position and you can't get along with them, you will eventually rebel. If your motivation for obedience is only for recognition and for position and for prestige, you will eventually rebel again. If we obey out of fear, of being caught in disobedience. That's miserable living. That's miserable. Our love for God should be the main motivating factor of obeying authority. If our nation is to be changed, if our world is to be helped, it's going to start first of all in our homes. Husbands and wives and children, families being right and in a God-ordained order, and then that will flow over to the church house. If you don't practice authority six days a week where you're at, you won't do it one day a week 
at the church because you're out of practice. You're not going to miraculously show up and all of a sudden you're obeying authority when the structure is not practiced through the week. I'm asking you a question. Do you really love God? Our greatest struggle with authority, I believe, is this here. Do we really love God? Not do we know God. Not that we can say we love God. I mean, in your heart, is there a drawing, a longing, a desire that you love a holy and a thrice God? Because if there was, we wouldn't have the struggle with authority. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. I invite you to stand under your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.